Good afternoon. We're now at another episode of the Midwest Technology Campus podcast. Here today we have uh, myself, Joanna Shrupp, the general manager of the Midwest Technology Campus. Uh, my sidekick, Liz Deardall, the business development coordinator. And two lovely guests, uh, Aaron Bachman, who is the executive director of the Kanyawai County and City of Wilmer Economic Development Commission, along with Sarah Swedberg, who is the develop business development manager. Welcome, you guys. Thank you. It's good to be here. Thank you. Thank you for um, allowing us to bring you in as guests, Aaron. I think you were a little hesitant at first, thinking, what are you getting into? Uh, we've had Sarah as a guest before talking about some other topics and um, so we wanted to bring you in and show you that this is harmless we're just having simple casual it's conversation fun, mm-hmm. fun. yes mm-hmm. exactly on a on a Wednesday afternoon before the big holiday weekend coming up so um, I was doing a little looking um, online uh, Aaron you've been here in Wilmer and in the Kanyawai County and City of Wilmer EDC office we'll say for about five years Sarah you've been here for about Two months. Two months. (laughs) (laughs) So welcome. (laughs) We've known you a whole lot longer, but you've been with the organization for two months. Yes. Um, Erin, let's start with you. Um, You've been in economic development for a long time, and so you have a lot of history, um, not just in Wilmer, but other communities. Tell us a little bit about where you came from, how you got involved in economic development work. Sure. Uh, I've been here, uh, as as you mentioned, a little over five years, but I have experience both in the metro as well as uh, greater Minnesota. Prior to this, I was in uh, Wyndham for a little over seven years in Southwest, so I'm staying with the W's. Uh, <laughs> I have also worked uh, in, uh, in the Twin Cities area, specifically uh, for the city of Moundsview uh, for over five years uh, in economic development. Um, probably over 25 years in the career. Um, always enjoyed uh, community development, economic development. Uh, went to uh, Augustana College for undergraduate degree in geography and history. And then uh, for career advancement, I decided to get my master's degree in public administration from the University of Minnesota. Uh, I have had experience working at the state level in a couple of different states. I was in North Dakota working for the Office of Intergovernmental Assistance or OIA dealing with federal grants. Uh, and then uh, for the Bureau of the Budget or Bob for short uh, in <laughs> Illinois uh, as a budget analyst uh, working with several different agencies uh, there on their budgets. Uh, but really wanted to, to uh, work with um, uh, community development at the local level. I, I, I like that because you can see a project from the beginning to the end. Um, when you get with larger organizations, sometimes you have to specialize. You know, Maybe you're just working on greenfield projects, new development, or maybe you're working on redevelopment, or maybe you're working on just loans or what have you. But I like touching a number of different areas for economic development. And I think it even started earlier than that. I went into the Peace Corps after um, my uh, stint at Augustana College, and I was um, working in the Caribbean, island of Hispaniola, uh, specifically in the Dominican Republic, uh, working on a variety of projects there. So out of school, and I thought, you know, those advertisements, the toughest job you'll ever love. Uh, that was the uh, Peace Corps ad that you would hear sometimes. and was there uh, in uh, the 
small town called El Limon de Samana, which means the lemon, uh, and uh, working on a variety of projects. So uh, one day I might be working on a school gardens project to encourage people to grow vegetables and other things. Another day I might be working on a project to help a local cooperative expand. Um, and so that was very interesting. You had to think on your feet. Uh, it certainly forced me to speak and learn uh, Spanish better. So you didn't know that before you went there? Yeah, I was FSI of about zero plus. <laughs> I, I, knew, I knew that I was like, hola, buenos dias. <laughs> but to survive, you need to learn Spanish. And uh, they would always want to practice their English on me, and I would want to respond in Spanish. So um, It was it, your very own immersion program? It was my own immersion program. <laughs> And it was kind of intense, actually. Um, I was assigned to the Agrarian Forum Agency. The guy who, who was the regional director brings me in a pickup truck with two suitcases, drops me off at, uh, I think it was the police station in Elimon, and left. So I had like, hmm, this is interesting. Uh, and I... I, I didn't make a deal with the police. Uh, I said, could I stay in the jail for tonight because I don't have anywhere else to go here? <laughs> you didn't. You I did. did. Oh, I did. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, and then I was looking around because I was thinking, okay, Elimon is a community of like maybe 2,500 people. Um, and no running water. Uh, no wow. One building of two stories. Um, and I, I was... I was thinking, where do I stay? Because there wasn't a big entourage of people there. Hey, you have a place to stay. So I found one individual that was wearing shorts. And uh, this was during the summertime, fall. Uh, and uh, I figured, okay, this is a guy I want to talk to. He sounds a little bit more liberal in terms of, um, you know, maybe willing to work with somebody because most of the guys wore pants at, oh. at that point. Uh, and so wearing shorts was kind of a little bit more, okay, let's see. <laughs> um, and uh, so uh, his name was Jonito, uh, and so I, I walked over and I said, would you have a room where I could stay, maybe rent to pay you so much per month? And so I said, yeah, I think we might be able to accommodate you. So uh, we went over to the river, and I'm thinking, okay, there's no bridge in this river, uh, and his house is on the other side, and I'm going, like, <laughs> I'm going to have to wade through this river. And he, Before I know it, he hoists me on his back, and carries me across the river. That's why he wears shorts. Yeah. And sandals. And sandals. And, and so um, I ended up staying there for over two years. Um, wow. Great family, De Los Santos family. Um, his mom was a great cook, by the way. Uh, and uh, that's where I was for over two years. And so every day I would have to wade through the river at least two or three times a day uh, because my office was on one side of the river and they lived on the other side of the river. So after about a year and a half, we are going to have a pedestrian bridge. I don't care what it takes. Um, and, and so I was able to get the USAID to donate some money and the Canadian Hunger Foundation to donate some money because then, as of now, I seem to have to raise money. This is what I do, is raise money. That was your first economic development. Yeah. And so we had a pedestrian bridge that was about 90 feet long, kind of cantilever, made out of concrete. Uh, and... Um, I made it only five feet wide because I said, I know you guys. If I make it six or seven, you're going to drive across this thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're going to drive across it. Oh, so wow. it's good for horses. It's good for motorcycles. It's good for people, but not cars. <laughs> wow. 
I'll stop there. Very interesting. <laughs> that is oh, interesting. Wow. We got to go back to that. Uh, Sarah, there. yeah, uh, you're, <laughs> you've been with the organization two months. Yes. Um, I won't say it top that story, but that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell us about your path and how you got into economic development. Yeah, so prior to coming to the EDC, I was working in Wilmer for the city of Wilmer um, as the planner and the main street director there. Um, and when the previous business development manager retired, um, it was a perfect opportunity to really round out kind of my experience um, and and kind of jump to the economic development focused side of things but with you know with our broadband and agriculture kind of focuses and and projects going on um it still really fit well with my experience in planning and um kind of my background in in regional planning so um I grew up in northern Minnesota in Walker Bemidji area Uh, I went to high school there went to college in Bemidji um and ended up halfway across the world in Africa uh wow during my (laughs) yes I don't I wasn't wading across rivers um Were you riding um, on elephants? I was not riding on elephants, <laughs> but I was riding on motorcycles. So that was, yeah, yeah, certainly an adventure. Um, but ended up going there twice uh, with one of my professors. We studied kind of land rights and um, the variety of, of different topics there. Um, but do uh, graduated my undergrad in geography uh, with an emphasis in, in planning and, and GIS. So um, ended up in, in Kenya for a few months at a time, uh, twice there. We, um, there's a large sisal plantation, which is a plant um, that is used for its fibers. It looks very similar to aloe, but it grows probably twice as big. Um, traditionally used in like car parts, elevators, um, those kind of more industrial, heavy-duty kind of things. Um, So we were studying the colonial growth of that plantation um, and how it actually wiped out what we estimate to be about a dozen villages uh, that originally existed in Kibwezi, Kenya. So it was quite quite the experience. Thankfully, we did not end up in a jail. We got right. close once right. with no running water. <laughs> no running water. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was that was quite the adventure. And then um, my husband was going to Southwest State in Marshall at the time uh, after graduating college. So I was looking for jobs in the southern Minnesota area, um, and and ended up in Wilmer for the planner position. Good, yeah, good. Well, I've worked with you on many projects over the last several years and so it's been a pleasure and Aaron you too just in different capacities I I think it's interesting you both were geography majors Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and probably didn't have a clue that you were going to end up in this type of position did you definitely not well I I think for me um, I've always had an interest in seeing some sort of work with development okay and it just kind of crystallized after college um I had obviously, as I mentioned before, some work with uh, uh, you know state agencies and so forth. But I think the nice thing about working at the local level uh, also is that uh, you get to know people and you get to know projects. And so part of what I see my role is connecting resources and people. Uh, and and can that help them get into a business? Can that help them expand or 
um, you know, grow their business in some fashion. Usually there's something that's holding back a business to get to the next level. It might be capital. It might be management. It might be a variety of things. And so part of what we do is try to figure out what the needs of the business are. I mean, whether it's large or small, there's oftentimes commonalities. So we're working right now on a fairly large distribution center project and just was talking with the site selector today, this afternoon, and and uh, the, the uh, preferred developer on the project. And we're talking land, mm-hmm. we're talking utilities, <clears throat> just like you might be when you're working on a project at the Midwest Technology Campus where you're renovating a building and you're talking about utilities and you're talking about what is the budget and, and things like that. Right. Well, um, I, I want to point out and just make sure people are clear, we're saying Kanduai County and City of Wilmer. So are there 11 cities within the county that you work uh, with mainly? I want to say there's 12. 12? But, okay. Um, yeah, but obviously a lot of activity happens in Wilmer. It represents about 47% of the population of the county, probably uh, three-quarters of the payroll, and probably 92% plus of the development that goes on. Mm-hmm. Uh, on a typical year, we might have 40 to $50 million worth of construction going on in Wilmer. Uh, we had about $41 million this last year during COVID. Wow. Uh, and so there's ongoing needs. And one thing that I, I uh, like about the Wilmer area and attracted me to this position was that it's fairly diversified. You know, you go to some communities and maybe it's really weighted toward one type of industry or not. Maybe it's weighted toward tourism. Maybe it's weighted for manufacturing. And we really have a diverse economy here. Uh, we've got over 4,000 people that work in the medical uh, arena here. We, we are a retail area here that if you need to buy building materials, we've got, the, we're, we got you covered here. Um, if we're talking about uh, hospitality, we have a variety of hotels, for example. Um, most people think of Wilmer as uh, the home of uh, Genio Turkey Store, for example. Well, Genio represents about 7% of our workforce. Mm-hmm. It's, an, it's our <coughs> largest employer, but it's not the majority of what happens here. We have other employers. And there are businesses here that quietly go about their business that don't get the same PR as some of the firms do. So, mm-hmm. for example, Relco is the world's third largest dairy equipment manufacturer. Nobody knows about it. Mm-hmm. Right. Novatech, right? Novatech here Engineering. On campus. Yes. You know, they're in 60 <coughs> countries right. with their products. Yeah. Uh, so they have a worldwide presence. But again, most people are not aware of them. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh, in the last 12 years that I've been here out at the campus, uh, we've had great partnerships with the Economic Development Commission um, from uh, Liz and myself. Now Liz will be stepping yeah. in on onto the marketing committee. Um, I used to go to um, trade shows uh, in the past with some of the EDC staff, um, gone to site selectors conferences, um, done all kinds of things. So um you guys have been great partners. I also think that me being new in this, I don't think people understand the resources that we do have for our communities. And I think just getting the word out to be like, hey, there is so much that we have to offer and the EDC can help you yeah. in that. And I think that's kind of just like a hidden secret because um, I had no idea coming in. So how much you guys all 
you know, did. So well, that's a very good point, Liz. Uh, this last year, uh, there were some blessings that came out of COVID, believe it or not. One of the blessings was that we got to know a lot more uh, of the business community. Mm-hmm. About 85% of the recipients, uh, grant recipients and loan recipients that we worked with this last year, we had never worked with before. Uh, so that was eye-opening mm-hmm. for us. That and, and it was an opportunity for them to get to know the EDC. Um, when Relationship I, building and yes. that type of thing within our community. Yes. Mm-hmm. So when I started here in 2016, um, February, um, we had exactly one loan with a diverse business. That was it. Today, uh, this last year, we assisted um, uh, 56 different diverse businesses. Wow. Uh, our business community has diversified just like our demographics have diversified over time. Uh, and um, so we certainly have uh, become more familiar uh, with the, the, the different populations that are here, whether they're East African, uh, or a Latino or Asian. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sarah brings, of course, experience uh, as well working. You were the Main Street coordinator, too, mm-hmm. working with a diverse group of people. Yeah, there's a large uh, downtown Wilmer. Uh, seems to be kind of the hub for a lot of our Somali-owned businesses. So I had a lot of relationship with them that we were able to bring along. And, in fact, we're working with one of them on a loan right now. Um, to expand his grocery store downtown. So, okay. Yeah. Well, um, <clears throat> that brings me to my next question. You know, I participated uh, this last spring in um, your strategic planning session. And so, when you are um, deciding what projects or what type of work that you're going to work on, um, how does that happen? And I'm guessing the strategic planning session um, helps you understand. Uh, where you should focus your time and energy. Uh, tell me a little bit about how that happens, um, who's involved, um, maybe where you get some of your um, ideas from. Sure, be happy to. Uh, on an annual basis, we have a strategic planning session that occurs uh, typically in March or April of, of each year. Uh, one of the priorities that I've had in that annual process is uh, to make sure that not only just uh, board members are there, but that we have staff, that we have um, uh, committee chairs, that we have our partners represented. When I started here, um, I remember having a conversation with Nancy Berkland, my office manager, and uh, I, I had made sure that she was there at the first planning session that we were holding that year. And she said, you know, Aaron, this is the first time I've been asked to participate. And she's the office manager that we have. Uh, to me, it was a given. I, I need your input because you're our institutional memory. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the partners are important because um, I want to make sure that we're taking into account uh, their perspectives, too. Now, the intent of the, of the session is to look at our long-range, uh, well, well, to look, to review how the previous year was, uh, kind of the highlights, but also look at um, uh, looking at our goals, short-term and long-term goals for the next three years, one year to three years mm-hmm. plus, as well as look at action items related right. to those goals. 
Uh, I'm of the opinion that you should have maybe three or four major goals for each year. You can have smaller goals, of course, but um, and then you really dig into those goals. If you try to have 15 goals for the year, you're not you're not going to do justice mm-hmm. to them. So mm-hmm. we we look at those priorities, and they those have informed us as to where we want to go as an organization. Um, it it tells us. Is this a priority for our board? Is this a priority? And if so, do we need to attach resources to that? Um, we have five standing committees, and it's not just lip service. These are committees where we have budgets associated with each one. So, for example, uh, BRE, Business Retention Expansion, Finance. Uh, we have a Public Relations, Marketing and Public Relations Committee. We have Broadband, which is, is going to be busy this year. Um, we just have uh, activities that are ongoing. Those um, uh, committees um, have their own um, uh, c- uh, committee structure. Uh, when I look at back at the different communities I've worked with, uh, this community has more volunteers serving on committees than I've ever had in other uh, locations. We have about f- between 55 and 60 volunteers that serve on these committees. That's good. You want involvement. I, I don't want it to be just myself or my ideas. I want the input from everybody. Uh, and so uh, we will, um, once we have input from everybody in the planning session, then we put together documents. This is meant to be a living document, not just something we put on the shelf. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm looking at the, um, maybe the write-up the, from the event, and it looks like um, broadband workforce, housing, child care, and COVID relief um, were the top ones that rose, you know, that, that came out of that planning session. Um, broadband, I mean, that topic's been around for a couple years, but it, it also has gained a lot of momentum. Yeah. And, and, and not just, you know, you live, in, you live in city limits and you might be fine. But you drive out a little ways, and then maybe you have nothing. And so um, sometimes I, I, in conversations, I maybe felt like people in the metro area thought, well, none of us had broadband, but that's not the point. That's not it. You know, you live in the city limits, and you have you have probably adequate. It's when you get out in the rural areas. Um, and I think, like, COVID changed that as well, being at home and how many people were on the broadband and right. how many people were trying to work from home and kids are on there with school. And it was a huge opportunity, I know, for us here. Right. So mm-hmm. you heard a lot of that where people couldn't couldn't necessarily do that. Yeah. They're going other places, so. Yeah, and I think it's that culmination of all of these different puzzle pieces, right, because of the, the state funding and the federal funding that's coming out because of COVID and, and the fact that COVID has really shown us how important broadband is it makes it possible for those funds to be allocated towards these what have really become essential utility projects um for outstate minnesota or you know anywhere else in the the united states too but um and i think broadband is a really good example of of one top priority that the edc has where we're working really outside of the cities that we serve um, and making sure that it that it um that it assists the resident, the residents, um, and how that really has that trickle down economic development effect on the the existing businesses here and our workforce and our ability to re- retain and, and grow that workforce that we need to. Well, even education. Yeah, yeah. Education, healthcare. 
Right. So what would you say was your biggest barrier when it comes to broadband and getting that that point across to people who are the ones who will open the purse strings? What's your biggest barrier? I mean, if you could tell the public. I think uh, it starts with funding. You know, a lot of what we're trying to do does uh, require uh, partnerships, funding, and the state of Minnesota has what's called the Border to Border. Maybe you can kind of describe that a little bit, sir. Yeah, they've got the Border to Border Grant Program for Broadband, um, which is an effort to have a competitive grant program for greater Minnesota, um, for cities, townships, counties, kind of whatever what whatever level you're looking at um, to apply for funding to make these broadband projects possible. Um, Like we see with so many other projects or specifically with utilities, um, it it takes a lot of partners to be at the table to even make a project viable. And so in the past, we've struggled to even have providers at the table to make these projects happen. But now because of this influx of money and because broadband is so top of mind for people, People are, you know, buying into, okay, this is important. I do want to contribute to this. I do, as a property owner, want to push and see this happen because it now affects me, right? It's, it's now important and, and relevant to what I'm trying to do or my kids or my grandkids. Um, and so bringing all of those different pieces together and then the EDC playing this pivotal role in, um, in applying for these grant dollars um, we're working specifically at a township level because doing it at, at a full county level is just too high of a scale. There's mm-hmm. there's too much need of, for broadband in the county to tackle it all at once. Um, and so then we go down to that township level um, and we're seeing kind of, kind of groups of townships that we're targeting for different providers because of, you know, it's kind of a natural growth, right, of, of where their existing networks are. Um, I was talking with somebody the, the other day. It's it's not like water or sewer, where you have a rural resident who can have a septic system, right, or a well. You you have to be connected to this entire network of utility, um, and so therefore you have to look at where it where it makes sense for that to continue to expand and grow, so that we can reach everybody. Mm-hmm. It's going to be multiple providers. Uh, some counties have the the advantage of maybe having one main provider that covers the whole area, whether mm-hmm. it's federated to the west. But we're, we're probably going to have three or four different providers hopefully step up. And uh, I think between the uh, border-to-border grants as well as the new uh, ARP, American Rescue Plan dollars, I feel that next year we will have a, a project or two underway. Yeah, absolutely. Right now we're um, kind of in conversation with about four providers on five different projects, which is, again, astronomically higher than what we've seen in the past just because of all of these different resources coming together, which is really exciting. So in the past, they maybe haven't come to the table, these providers. Right. And now they're, would you, they're following the money a little bit. I mean, the money's there. Yeah. And so this is, this is an incentive for them to step into the game. Yeah. Kind well, and it, it cash flows the project, right? right. They, they weren't at the table because it just didn't financially make sense for exactly. them and their business and, mm-hmm. and to make these projects possible. You know, the, the property owners themselves would have had to contribute thousands and thousands of dollars instead of maybe one or two thousand that we're currently looking at. Right. Okay. So that so that's one of the topics that came out of your strategic session. Um, I think uh, I was in a couple uh, little side meetings during that day about uh, workforce. And I thought that that 
Um, there was a lot of good conversation that was happening that day. Um, maybe what were some of the key takeaways that you guys um, thought were important to work on? Sure. With the workforce um, right now, of course, after COVID, there was obviously a spike in, in folks that were unemployed. Uh, but I think we also have a mismatch between the uh, folks that are unemployed and the job openings that are, are there right now in terms of skill sets. And so I think there was a desire to uh, look at how can we encourage people to take a look at this area to work, but also how do we improve the skills. And um, so we, we had some programs that we undertook during COVID, uh, working with Ridgewater College. Uh, I'd like to see some work with uh, high school here. Um, maybe getting uh, the high school students more familiar with the types of businesses here. Obviously, with the KCEO program, for example, uh, kids can learn uh, maybe how to put up their put their own business together. But for those that maybe want to work for somebody else, maybe this would be an opportunity for them to get familiar with DI Labs or with Novatech Engineering or whoever. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably one of the big... Um one of the big topics when it comes to, um, you know, why why are we not retaining um, these kids in our own in our own county in our own communities? Um, if they want to go away and go to college, um, that's fine. But just so that they they know and understand, and it's up to us to educate them that there are good jobs back here. Um, and and then also we have a great uh, local community college um, that they could take advantage of and and find another career here and, and actually stay, go to work, go to school, and um, be part of the workforce you know, quite a bit faster um, than what other students or other young people might do. Um, I know that there are a few other programs that um, are working with the local schools, um, and I think there are some businesses that have uh, jumped on board basically to say, um, we need to educate these young people, start planting the seed, you know, and find out what their goals are mm-hmm. and, and let them know these, these are the jobs that we have available in our company and mm-hmm. they might not even realize it. I use, I use the example of um, my husband and I are not truck drivers, long over the road truck drivers, but we probably don't have that conversation at our, at our kitchen table, maybe over dinner or whatever. So our kids would never think about that. However, those are good jobs. And so we need to have other people who influence them and show them that there are, are other careers out there for them. And so um, whether it's um, a trade or um, you know, maybe, maybe they want to go on and go to medical school or something like that, we need to be able to expose them to everything. And not just expose them to career opportunities, but um, thinking about, you know, we talked earlier about Relco or, or some of these other, Novatech, these these businesses that kind of go under the radar for some people, but they're exciting, they're fun, like it makes you proud of the community you live in and you're from, and to be able to kind of build and foster that, like, excitement um, just about the area, I think, plays a big role in, in re- retention, too. Maybe they like to travel. I you do know. think also uh, amenities amenities make a difference mm-hmm. for people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I look at the amenities out here at the Midwest Technology Campus, for example. Every time I 
I, I try to do it every time. Every time <laughs> I bring a prospect, one of the places I like to go is Mr. B's Chocolates. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't? Because who doesn't like to stand there? You can never go wrong with chocolate. Right. No. And, you know, several of them have, have purchased chocolates there. Um, I think it just speaks to the community when you can have different amenities, whether it's the destination playground at Robbins Island, mm-hmm. whether it's the trail system, whether it's other things that we have here. Uh, that makes a difference for people. Um, and we need to be aware of what is attractive uh, for a variety of demographics. Right. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So, Aaron, you and I had a conversation the other day. Um, you had walked the sidewalks. Yes, I and had trails around campus. <laughs> yeah, Joanna, I, I, I mentioned this to Joanna, and I said, well, I, I walked every single sidewalk and trail that I could find on the Midwest Technology Campus, and uh, it came up to five and a half miles approximately, and then Joanna's first comment to me was, can you do that again? <laughs> so that can you, you get can a little ver- more accurate yeah, number for me? <laughs> to verify the number, and I'm thinking, hmm, maybe I could do that again. Uh, um, so you talked about broadband, and that's a large scale project. I don't want to, you know, I know for sure I'll get you to walk those trails. So we'll just let that one go. I don't want anyone to sway you another way. I want you to go and uh, walk that trail system for me. Um, tell me about the smaller projects. Some of that, um, some of those other projects, the Elevate program, um, things like that. Um, I just feel like there's so many opportunities. Uh, whenever I talk to companies, when I've talk to them about maybe starting a department division or just moving out here to campus. Uh, when they ask me questions, I bring up the EDC and they, just sometimes the look of what? They can help me? And so let, mm-hmm. let's talk about that. I know you talked about downtown retail, but you know if you have that person, that entrepreneur mm-hmm. who's just stepping in and you know they need some help and maybe they're not the business person, they know how to make their widget, Right. But all the other stuff they don't know how to do. So how how can they, how can you help them? Yeah, the Elevate program. I when I came to the EDC two months ago, we were in week eight, um, and just it's a twelve week program for the the business owner whoever's taking the class. Um, and just in those few weeks and planning the graduation, I was um, just really really impressed with this curriculum that uh, my predecessor Connie was able to find, um, and that both the Southwest Initiative Foundation and the EDC have invested in for our community. I think it, um, it, it's perfect for exactly that. The person that um, loves what they do and is passionate about this, this thing that they're creating a business out of, but do- doesn't, have that, doesn't have that background in, in business and doesn't have the time or, or doesn't you know, want to go back to schools necessarily for business. They really want to focus on their passion. Um, here's a really great way to learn about everything from legal structures of businesses yes. and uh, HR, HR and, and cash yeah. flow and, yeah. and a little, we touch a little bit on target marketing, right? There's some other good resources in town to really deep dive, dive deep uh, mm-hmm. into, into marketing and different things, but to really get that, that business foundation is, is so pivotal and really just supports, um, supports our business community to be strong and, and sound um, so that we can further assist. We're actually working with two of our five graduates um, with loans for either a new business or expanding business um, with the, you know, knowing that they now have this knowledge to, to have, a, have a thriving business. Mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting um, when you were describing it um, recently when I was talking to you, but 
Also, there's been a program you've worked with uh, some of the downtown uh, Wilmer businesses and even how they stage their stores, um, oh, how the re- they display yeah, the things. Oh, yeah, the retail. Retail yeah. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was interesting. I mean, because that just shows that a lot of people do, you know, do need help in different areas of yeah. their company. And so, and that's okay. Yeah. That's what you guys are here for. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the fun things. I know Aaron mentioned earlier about just all of the different hats that you get to wear when you mm-hmm. work in a smaller town like Wilmer um, or for a community of that size. And I think that's that's one of the beauties of the EDC is because, um, you know, I wore a lot of hats at the city too, certainly. <laughs> but um, the EDC being kind of this, we're still municipal, right? But we're not city, we're not county. We kind of right. get to play this like flexible role where we really get to support businesses in all of these different facets of, of whatever they might need. Um, so we can be that that person that can assist them with with what those are, and if if we can't assist them, we certainly most likely You'll know find the, someone know the resources mm-hmm. that they could tap into for right. So when will the next? So say somebody's interested in going through that course that you just yeah. said, and they're listening to our podcast right now. What would be like their next step to do, or how often do you plan on doing this program? Yeah, we're aiming for one to two times a year mm-hmm. is our goal. Um, right now we're working on setting, officially setting the dates. They'll be set by the end of next week. Um, but we're looking at a September, another class starting in September. And there'll be a couple info sessions that lead up to that that are really focused on, um, kind of sharing what the, what the program's about. Um, so if people want to learn more, those info sessions, watching out for those will be a really good next step for them. And they can certainly reach out to the EDC at any time, uh, if they've got questions about what those dates are. So uh, the EDC has been a great partner with the Midwest Technology Campus uh, through the years. Um, and, and I know we've worked on projects and worked with different companies and angel investors and all that kind of good stuff. But if you had one project, regardless of size or price, that you could just snap your fingers and bring to reality in Kanyoi County <laughs> to help businesses, what would that be? Uh, go, Aaron. <laughs> Well, <laughs> not to be on the spot. That's right. Well, right now we're working on a logistics project. Uh, it would be in the magnitude of about $25 million investment, capital investment, 200 employees. Uh, the building itself would be about 217,000 square feet plus a, a smaller maintenance facility. They would uh, buy 25 acres. Uh, and I feel like we, we are on, uh, on a good path with it. We have a signed LOI, letter of intent. Uh, we are now just today. We were um, revising the PSA purchase and sales agreement that um, will um, hopefully go before the council uh, later in July. Um, this would be a significant deal for us. This would be our largest distribution center that we would have currently here in Wilmer. I don't like to put all my eggs into one basket, Joanna, <laughs> uh, because I like diversity. Yes. Uh, and uh, but I think this this rate would raise our uh, visibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Sarah going to a site selector conference uh, in Michigan coming up in July, mid July, and uh, we'll be meeting with at least ten site selectors. It puts us on the radar yes, it does. of a number of people. It does. So um, I, I am, I'm feeling like this would be a, a good project to see, come to fruition. 
um, uh, I think we're on a good path with this particular project. Okay, Sarah, you don't get to get off the hook. I know, so I've been, it's good. It's snapping good. the yeah. fingers, uh, what thing. would be your favorite business, or not favorite business, but one of your dream businesses to bring here to Candyoy County? Okay. Um, boy, does it have to be a specifically a dream business? Just whatever one you I'll, want. Okay, I'll tweak it into being a dream business. Um, so it's it's a project that we haven't talked much, but one of the other branches or one of the other committees of the EDC is agriculture. Sure. Um, and supporting you know supporting farmers, supporting kind of innovative agriculture producers. Uh, areas, producers, yeah. mm-hmm. whatever it might be. Um, so Mid Minnesota uh, Regional Development Commission and their executive director has been on the podcast in the past, and they're on the Midwest Technology Campus. They are by on the, the way. Midwest Technology Campus, <laughs> third floor, um, third floor. Shameless. Their planner is currently working on a halal meat production project. Mm, yes. It gets really complicated really fast, which is why I think my mind automatically went to that particular project if I could snap my fingers and put a bunch of things into place to make that possible I think in the long run we will see a lot of impact from that project and I think that is such a good example of listening to a diverse community and a need that they have um, and connecting resources that are that are possible in Minnesota right um, right now halal meat is mostly imported frozen from Australia which to me blows my mind and makes mm-hmm. no sense and to be able to connect those resources with goat farmers and more local, uh, producers. local producers meat processors um, and some of our diverse grocery stores we've got a plethora of diverse grocery stores that are uh, cropping up or expanding or uh, just exist in our in our community and and that's a, a significant portion of their sales is is glo- is goat meat or halal halal meat um, and I think that that that's one project I'd love to snap my fingers for. So are you saying we need more goat farmers in the mm-hmm. area? Goat farmers, meat processors. Oh, there we go. There you go. <laughs> For whoever wants to uh, be a goat farmer, just uh, get a hold of Sarah and Aaron. <laughs> well, thank you today. Uh, Thank you guys for coming. And Aaron, see, it was harmless. You just had to talk about what you do every day. Sure. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Um, uh, So thank you. I'm sure we'll have other topics in the future that we should probably get on a podcast and talk about. But thank you for being good partners with the Midwest Campus. Mm -hmm. And have a great holiday weekend. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.